She's a former public school teacher turned stay-at-home mom. He's a talk show host who's made a career covering politics from afar. Now, Christine Stegall and her husband Chris have chosen a new path forward for their child in Christian education. Join them as they explore and experience this important alternative in education for the first time. Welcome to Making the Leap. We tell students when they graduate, we want you to be ready to build a healthy marriage and family. And having a great job is part of that, but it's not all of it. And and so what that means is in order for us to do that, we have to have a totally different educational model than most traditional higher ed institutions do. Welcome back into another episode of Making the Leap. We are so glad you're here with us today. We have... Um just had some really great guests to start off 2024. I'm excited to keep having them rolling through. We've got lots of topics, lots happening with things within Christian education, school choice. I feel like we've hit the ground running and (laughs) haven't stopped, kind of been like, you know, just kind of crazy. A lot of great uh, conversations surrounding uh, and we'll be developing here on the Herzog Podcast Network, uh, more programming for those of you who homeschool, home educate, and uh, higher education is one that while, you know, we focus primarily on K through 12 education, what then? You know, what after high school? That's certainly mm-hmm. kind of where we are. We've got our youngest right. is three years to go in high school, but then what? What are the next steps? We're finding an awful lot in the uh, space of higher education for those who home educate or those mm-hmm. who Christian education is is important rather than necessarily shuttling somebody off to a, a four-year secular program, there right. are alternatives, and that's one of the focuses of today. It is. And so we are so glad to have with us today Andrew Chambers, and he is the head of Campus Life with Excel College. They are located in North Carolina. And it was a fun connection to make with him because it was, a, a, as most of our discussions have been about upper, you know, like higher education. He also is with a really unique school. So we're so glad to welcome you in, Andrew. Thank you so much for being here. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Absolutely. We The Excel College, we it, should yes, start, right? The Excel College. So it's Excel College. Their website, when you look it up, I I found it best by just typing the Excel College, thanks to, you know, whoever has already claimed something on the internet. So the Excel College dot yep. org, <laughs> is that right? Uh, so theexcelcollege.com. Yeah. Oh, let's go back and yeah. forth. And, it, you know, there's – I really wanted to start out, I guess, Andrew, having you just share a, like a kind of a brief overview of what Excel College is about. And then I know we've got some different directions to head off into as we kind of tackle this topic. Yeah. So I can um, – so, you know, just 30,000-foot overview. Um, you can say two main things about us. One is we tell students when they graduate – we want you to be ready to, to build a healthy marriage and family. And having a great job is part of that, but it's not all of it. And and so what that means is in order for us to do that, we have to have a totally different educational model than most traditional higher ed institutions do. Um, and so that's that's one thing. That's a goal. And then um, the second is I say that we merge the classical and the practical in the context of community. And so what that means is all of our students, they go through this classical, biblical, liberal arts curriculum. Um, and they actually do that together in a cohort model, do Socratic discussion. A lot of your homeschool audience will be familiar with that. Um, and a curriculum that builds off itself one subject at a time. And then they do that for 15 months. And then they actually go off and they do apprenticeship and skills development. Because what we think is like a, is the goal for a college grad is not just to get a bunch of head knowledge, but actually to be a, a well-rounded person who can follow Jesus and flourish and within context of family and community. And so we give them the opportunity to to have that kind of well-rounded worldview um, and 
skills training and develop skills. And then also at the same time, do all that in the context of community in the home so that they actually learn how to um, become wise, mature, and productive adults. All right. Now, what immediately struck me is you led with uh, the home. And that is not what anybody in kind of the traditional headspace of a higher education going off to college is even thinking about. We That sounds like something maybe you do in family and consumer sciences for a, a class, but certainly not a curriculum. Explain that a little further. And and I should clarify that you're not like some fly-by-night college. You've been doing this for 10 years, so you have a, a resume and a track record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, and so what we discovered is, you know, for a while there, we were just an associate's program that just did that liberal arts curriculum, and that was great. Um, but what we found is unless you're actually doing like life on life discipleship with people and then and they're working and they're earning and they're and they're learning how to pay bills and, and do real life, you kind of we call them, you know, we kind of get kind of bobble headed and, and not well rounded. And so what we did was we we bought an old bed and breakfast and turned it into a community center. And then we bought bought and built homes around it. And so our faculty and our staff and our students, they actually all live on campus. Wow. And um not not in the same houses in different houses, you know, but uh, homes will have, but they're they're in a neighborhood, and uh, right outside of downtown Black Mountain, North Carolina, so which is like 20 minutes from Asheville. So we're highly engaged in the life of the city, and the whole point of that is simple. The early Christians they did life together, and we think that true education is about transformation, and real life is caught more than it is taught. And so if our goal is for them to learn how to build healthy marriage and family. And they need to be around healthy marriages and families, but they also need to be doing the things that make up a healthy marriage and family. So that's learning, working, worshiping, cooking and cleaning, take care of a home, learning how to handle roommate conflict, uh, paying bills, just kind of the boring stuff that that makes up a, a great life, you know. And it's so interesting to me because that I can hear somebody saying, well, you can know, you do all those things at home, but then you pair that, which I don't agree, by the way. I think there's a lot of value to be around people in similar life situations, the, the 18, 19, 20-year-old doing things, learning things, as I keep calling them the baby adults, that there's total value in that. But then you all add into that, that classical Christian education piece. And that is not for the faint of heart. That is not, (laughs) that's not fluff by any means. And so I always, I, as I was reading more on, you know, your website after you and I had an initial conversation, it's just, it's such a a neat way to marry everything. And like Chris was saying, so different from what I think a four-year traditional college looks like. And if I may drill down, Andrew, because this is interesting, when you talk about this, what is the, uh, why is this different than say, uh, well, my son or daughter goes off to a dorm. They stay in a mm-hmm. in a residence hall. What's how is it fundamentally different? How can you help us understand that? Well, let me tell you a parable. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I graduated from a traditional university, you know, uh, a little over ten years ago. And up until about my sophomore year of college, we were living in a dorm, playing Call of Duty till about three o'clock in the morning, and uh, <laughs> cooking hot dogs and coffee pots. Uh-huh. Okay, <laughs> and. You know, uh, as a parent, you wouldn't look at that and say, my child is maturing <laughs> mm-hmm. or uh, or actually growing into the adult that God made them to be. Now, and it wasn't until I started working with an inner city ministry and transferred to a different college and was actually started to be there for the sake of that I actually learned I had to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and but what you know, we talk about, you know, typically in the traditional university system, it's four years of delayed adolescence mm-hmm. um, of not maturing into and not everyone does that. Obviously, there's you know different personality types. But as far as how the system is set up for, it's not upset. It's not set. It's set up to help you 
get a bunch of information, but not learn how to think well and and to mature as an adult. Um, so could I so jump in on that, that, Andrew, and just ask? Yeah, so please. when you you say, and I think I totally understand what you're saying here. Uh, my son going off to a four year university, playing Call of Duty every night in his dorm. That's fine with a university. That's not fine with the Excel College. That arrangement is not that's the way right. it's going to work there. That's right. And we tell students like, hey, if you want to come and just and be left alone and play video games all night and, you know, kind of like there's tons of great schools and we can list them off for you. But, you know, here our whole thing is like our our job is as followers of Jesus and kingdom people is to become like Christ. And so we think our job as a as a college is to is to be a part of that journey. Uh, be a part of that maturation journey of learning to live and love like Jesus. Well, and that's, you know, the four years of delayed adolescence. I I hear that 100% because I, I remember back to my own college days and I, number one, was not at all understanding the responsibility of what was ahead of me in life. But also, number two, once I took some responsibility a little, I, we were, uh, Chris and I were both resident assistants at the college and I took calls from parents and kids and helping with, you know, some of those basic type skill things and they were they were just not they were not prepared or ready to move on and it was one person yeah. helping a whole floor of people a, a parent calling to say hey I I don't know what's going on with so and so and it wasn't we tried to build community for sure that was a big goal you know that was a goal of it but yeah. not building community with Christ in mind either and that that is something that I think is a big piece of this. Is, How you about know? the co-ed nature of it, Andrew? Mm-hmm. Um, is it, um, I mean, you're not talking about couples necessarily. I mean, I guess it could no. be, but you're talking about uh, young men living together or young women living together and then fraternizing together outside of their residences, I assume. And what does that look like? Yeah. So we have guys' homes and girls' homes, uh, you know, men and women homes. And then, and so, you know, in a girl's home, it'll typically be about, 12 to 14 girls, but you know, these homes are big homes. They're the old Sears and Roebuck homes. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, you know, lots of bedrooms and bathrooms, two or three roommates in a room, but they have a full kitchen, full dining room, um, full living room. And so they, they literally learn how to do life as a family. And that's the same for both the boy, the guy and the girl houses. They have chores and they have to, they actually have to upkeep the home and, um, you know, kind of do grounds work. And so it's really the, and again, the point is when you graduate, you're going to have to do that and yes. you're going to have to pay bills on time. Um, and you're going to have to learn how to budget and live off of it. And so why not teach? And so that's why they pay for thir- for half of their tuition, whether their parents make $30,000 or a million dollars, because it's good for you to learn how to how to pay bills and work. You know, This sounds very similar to uh, a school we featured here before, Andrew, and I don't know if you're familiar with the College of the Ozarks, yeah. where uh, I love the Ozarks. <laughs> you know them. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. uh, the whole concept is it's, uh, it's the education is paid for, but you have to have a, a full-time job on the campus while you're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and learn life skills. So a very similar concept. <laughs> yeah. And our, our model is a little different as they're not working directly for us on campus. They're actually working out in the community oh. um, in Black Mountain. And we do that for a couple of reasons. One, we just don't have enough jobs for everybody to go around. <laughs> but, but but then also, um, what does it look like to be engaged in the life of the city? And we have students do four volunteer hours every month. And But I would say, honestly, the, they make more impact by learning to be Christ people in the marketplace and learning how to be great employees um, than we even do with our volunteer hours, you know? So that says a lot, actually. I mean, when you think about putting Christians into businesses, mm-hmm. the community sees Christians in businesses, you're learning, you know, and you're learning as you grow, you're learning to be a witness, um, growing in your witness, witnessing. I, I think that's just a really neat piece of 
of what it doesn't exist in a whole lot of schools. I know there are more schools like yours out there, but you're the first one specifically that I've come across with outside of College of the Ozarks like this. Over the 10 years that you've had kids coming through, uh, how many of them stick around the Asheville area? I mean, it sounds to me like you're building a facility in a place where people become very familiar. They're acquainted with neighbors and friends. They've gone to work. And I, I'll bet there are probably stories of people in the community who end up hiring some of your students, I would bet. Well, there's a lot. And I'll give you one example. So, and this kind of, kind of feed into another thing. So, um, there's a, uh, there's a student named Danielle who graduated in like 2019. Uh, and she went to work for uh, a chiropractic office and, um, she's now become the office manager of the chiropractic office. Wow. And so within our practicum phase, you know, students don't, they're not in classrooms learning what their major wants to be, or, you know, learning, taking tests for their major, they're actually in the marketplace getting hands-on experience in the field they want to go into. And so, so we've got a couple of students that have wanted to get into medical office uh, and, you know, medical office administration. And so Radius Chiropractic, which has hired two of our students to do their apprenticeships in medical office administration in Danielle, who was a former student, has become the office manager and she's actually the one designing those tracks and training them now, hmm. um, which is just a really, you know, kind of come full circle for us. And so now that whole office has actually, has actually become Excel students, which is pretty cool. So, talk, so. It, that kind of leads me to my next question. If you could share a little bit about, I mean, you're a small school with a small amount of students uh, offering yep. one major to students to dive into. Can you talk a little bit about what that major is, what it looks like? Because I have a feeling it's not, medical, you know, working within a medical right. office. So how do you explain a little bit about the major and then how you bring that together for people that might be curious how that looks? Yeah. And so there's this new concept around that people are calling micro colleges and they kind of will put us in that category. And essentially what it is, is it's colleges that have 150 students or less on campus, uh, maybe even up to 200, but for us, the cap is going to be about 150. Um, and it's one degree program. And so for our, for us, the degree program is in uh, religious studies, integrated economy and critical thinking. It's a bachelor's. Um, but the dip. And so everyone goes through that same pathway. But but where it differentiates is you can think of it like we're in normal traditional schools. You can have a major. So like my major was business management. We call those emphases. And it's the pathway that the student wants to go in to get hands on experience in the field that they want to go into. And so so, you know, uh, for example, Danielle her emphasis was in uh, administration. And so it's a bachelor's in religious studies, integrated economy and critical thinking. And the reason it is that one program is because all the students go through that, that core liberal arts phase together and where they separate at is when they want to go into their, their apprenticeship, what we call an emphasis. So, so the kids that come to you know what they want to do, or they come to you sometimes not knowing they, they're Christians. They come from a Christian background. They know they want higher education, but they're not necessarily sure what they want to do with their lives. Who's better suited for you? Yeah. So we, so homeschool, homeschool students are great. Um, and, and we do, we do tell everybody like, Hey, we are explicitly Christian and we're trying to follow Jesus, everything we have. So if you're not, that's okay. But this is probably not going to be a good place for you because it's, you know, we're not going to be on the same wavelength. Um, and then, but I, I say, as far as knowing what they do, what they want to do or not, um, it's about 50, 50, but typically tons, a lot of students change their mind, which is the same for traditional university. But what I tell them is 
you know, you're 18, 19 years old. We don't expect you to fully know what you want to do yet. You're still trying to figure out who you are, what you like, what you're about, how has God made you, what makes you tick, what ticks you off. <laughs> and so we give space, space in the program to to discern and learn those things. And then by the time that 15 months comes, what the difference is, is instead of saying, hey, pick a major and you have to and you have to try to pursue that career for the next 50 years, we say, what marketable skills do you want to develop? Hmm. And we can help you with those. And then based off those marketable skills, there's 10, 15, 20 different careers you can enter into. This is a two-and-a-half-year, hence the name of the school, the Excel College. It's a two-and-a-half-year program as opposed to four. And and so, you know, people that are kind of traditional thinkers would ask of you, I'm sure, well, what does that look like on paper? Uh, does an employer look at the Excel College? Where is that? Asheville, North Carolina, huh? Two and a half years, huh? I mean, do you get those questions? Do are people concerned about that? And or or have you? Has it not been the case? That's not been an issue. Yeah. So you know what I tell people is, so traditional school is four years, but it's because they take long summer breaks and Christmas breaks. And what we've done is we've taken those long summer breaks and the month and the month and a half Christmas breaks out. And so it's actually the same amount of education just squashed down into two and a half years. And and the reason that we do that actually is because we think there's a momentum that gets built up in education and discipleship Hmm. and, and you don't want to let that go. But then also our students are working the entire time that they're in the program. And so it doesn't work to leave employers hanging for three or four months. That's um, true. Yeah. I guess I didn't even think about that piece of it, that you're that embedded within the community, that that would not make sense. The expectation is that they're employed the entire time they're enrolled. The entire time, we don't care how much how much money their family comes from. And so during the core phase, they have to work at least 20 hours a week. Uh, most are averaging about 25. And then during the practicum phase, so that phase two, they can work as much as they want. Usually they're working around 35 hours a week because the classroom has moved from the classroom to the marketplace. And so whereas in that phase one, they're they're splitting time between the classroom and the marketplace. In phase two, the classroom is in the marketplace. And so they're working pretty much the whole time. Now you said that you're like you're you have a lot of homeschool students that come to you. Do you who who else what else is your student body or who else is your student body made up of? Is it primarily homeschool students or is it a variety? Yeah, so it's primarily homeschool. I'd say in between 60 60 to 70% of our students are homeschool students. Um and the rest come from a lot come from missions organizations like some have come from Adventures and Missions or YWAM. And okay. and really, they're, the question they're asking is, hey, I've just learned how to live a life chasing after God in community. Can that happen back in the States? And then they find this mm-hmm. as a place to where they can actually learn how to integrate in and keep the fire and passion for Jesus, but learn how to do it as a mechanic and a barista and a graphic designer and that's a really good, I mean, I, I really, that resonates with me a lot because I think, you know, it's kind of, as a parent, that's come back to me a lot. My biggest mission field is right in my home. Um, I don't, yeah. you know, now for some people, yes, it takes them to countries far, far away, but for me, mine is in my home. And so there's not, I think I can see a lot of students in that 18, 19, 20 year old range. I mean, I know we have our school sends kids to the Dominican Republic and they come back and they are just like, wow, you know, ready to do something and they're not quite sure how to do that here. And I think that's a really, really great way to kind of marry the two, the mission idea function here in the United States. And we, we need people on on fire for Christ in the United States. So that's, that's a great way to think of it. And what we've learned is missions is an identity, not an activity. 
Uh-huh. Right? Okay. And yeah. he made disciples <laughs> who are people that, that right. walk out the Christ life wherever they go. And so if you do that, you're on mission while you're at Starbucks or you're on mission while you're, Absolutely. and that doesn't mean you're tapping everybody for evangelism necessarily, but what does it look like to love the person in front of you like Jesus did and, and have him reach out through you? Absolutely. You know? This so. this sounds to me, uh, upon your kind of initial painting of it, you you bought you bought this big bed and breakfast, which is sort of your community center, if you will, homes around it. It it sounds in in many ways, um, you know, I, I made great friends in my traditional four year university in a in a fraternity, and we lived in a fraternity mm-hmm. house. Now, mm-hmm. not I'm, in no way am I comparing you to a fraternity house, but it's it's, it's a it's a communal uh, closeness that I assume you develop in a way. You certainly wouldn't in a in a traditional two person room mm-hmm. dorm or multi story dorm. I mean that I, I guess that's the point. These do these people necessarily have to relate with one another or or not? I mean, there's conflict, no. I'm sure, or conflict resolution oh, yeah. involved, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and and what's cool is it's a it's it truly is a multi generational community on campus because, like I said, it's it's students, but then faculty and staff also. So, like my wife and I have two kids. There's other staff members that have kids. And so, you know, discipleship for us is just as much of, hey, you're at my house for dinner while my kids are screaming and we're changing diapers and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> we're learning how to do family life together. Um, but then also we have a so Excel College is part of a larger organization called Excel Life. And we have a, a lower school that's actually a homeschool based around a homeschool co-op. And so while the college gathers students from all over the country the homeschool co-op and the arts and activities program are actually serving families from Black Mountain. We actually have 60 families from Black Mountain coming in and out of campus all week long. Wow. Um, and the college students are interacting. Some of the college students are working in the arts and activities programs. And then some of the families are hiring the college students for their positions. And some of the, you know, the guy that was running soccer is coaching soccer. in the and So it's just this really like, and it sounds like a tangled web. And that's because it is of, of relationship wow. where, and I mean that in a good way, you know, mm-hmm. where they're literally learning how to do life together in community and and um, in order to bless the city around them, you know. And did, so, did the school start? Did the university piece, the college piece, start before the homeschool co-op piece, or which one? Like chicken or the egg? Like which one came first? How did that come together? Yeah, that's a great question. So the yeah, so the school starts or the college part started first. Um, and then the homeschool piece came just from, we had, you know, um, a couple people in our community that had, uh, that had older, older kids and were, were starting to kind of cultivate a heart for, um, for homeschool and kind of was like looking into it, like, let's start a co-op, you know? And so, and then that kind of just exploded. So now, uh, here's the question that so many people who listen to stories like these, and I'm one of these guys, I can't help but think it. Uh, the financials, you know, a lot of people are curious. We're all uh, aware of massive student loans and going into mm-hmm. debt and tens of thousands, hundreds yeah. of thousands of dollars to a traditional four-year university. Uh, I think a lot of people listening into this might be thinking to themselves, well, how in the world does this work financially? Who's right. uh, who's paying for what? How much does this cost? How do they afford one another? Can you explain the dynamics of your economics a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. And and so our goal, and I'll just start off with big picture vision. Our goal is to create a sustainable model, um, and and I and we think we're doing it. Um, so, I mean, you, you've seen there's a great book I'd recommend. Uh, it's called Post COVID. It was by an NYU um, professor Scott Galloway, and in it he says that 
that traditional university costs have gone up like 1,600% since the 1960s, which mm. is more than healthcare cost. Mm. Um, and while the quality hasn't gone up. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, when you introduce debt into a system, that's when you can, that's when you, you can charge more for things, right? Because people can take loans to, in order to pay more. And so, you know, passing a, you know, when the government passed bills so that student loans could be issued back in the 60s, it was supposed to help college become more accessible to people, which it did in a way, but it also created indentured servitude for life for a lot of people, mm-hmm. you know, because they're paying debt. And so, and so we said, we, we can't do that. If we're really, if our, if our goal was really to help people first, we can't do that. And so we have a three-way tuition partnership model between the student, the parents and our, and, and the college and our donors. And so what we do is we split tuition down, down three ways, like 33% a piece, like a pie. And the student will, will earn 30, 33% 30 to 35% of their tuition while they are here in Black Mountain working in the community. Um, and we ask parents to come alongside and partner with them and pay their 30 to 35%. And then we have generous donors and supporters that are covering the other 35%. And the goal is that the student would be able to graduate debt-free um, and walk into life ready to flourish. With the equivalent but, of a four-year, I mean, based with what somebody would have at a University of Missouri, four-year degree, same thing, and knowing basics like living in a home and how to maintain things and how to create relationships and how to maintain relationships. Like that, well, all of that is just, it's amazing. Well, that and I'll say they've, you know, I mean, you know, with your kids, like you value something more once you've paid for it. Mm-hmm. And 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 so there's investment there's actual skin in the game for them from the jump because they if they are paying for it no matter how much money their parents make. Right. They yeah. are still working so. their 25, 30, 35 hours and putting that piece into it. So when you say the work component for the, the kids is paying for a third of it, is that um, that is direct literal money they're drawing from a business in the community that they're turning around yep. and just handing to you? Yep. yep. Not from, so you could view us like another, you could view us like your rent payment. You know, I see. Um, okay. Because our our tuition covers their rent, utilities, uh, you know, dinners, uh, books, and all that. And there's no hidden fees. I mean, it's right up there on the website. It's going to be like I think it's. So you know, I don't know when someone's going to listen to this podcast. So <laughs> so go double check me. But you know, it's typically like I think fifty thousand dollars for the whole two and a half year program um, for the parent and the student to be responsible for, and the student is going to make about twenty four of that while they're here. And then if you break that down, you do the math, and you're like, wow, it's about that's about a thousand dollars a month. It's like the cost of living, and that's that's right. kind of the point. Is we we try to make it to where they're actually learning how to take on that cost of living, and so that you know, so they're the money they earn covers their rent, utilities, all that kind of stuff, tuition, uh, but also they have to pay their car payments, and some of them their parents will pay, which is amazing, and mm-hmm. you know their phone bill, and so we and we have coaches that sit down and help them budget out the whole way. One of the first in the first two weeks they're here, we teach them budgeting and um, networking, applying networking, and interviewing. Um, on how to get a on how to get a job. Wow, that's, that's <laughs> remarkable. Uh, do, do the the donors? I I, I love that angle because mm-hmm. that means uh, people who have resources and means and have been blessed with money see value in what you're doing. Are they locals? Are you when you talk about donors? Are they people around the community who have seen the good work, or people out of state who have heard about it too? Or who are they? We've had both. So we've had some out of state people that have been with us for years, and those you know are kind of our major donors. Um, and locals. And then honestly, a lot of people from our faculty and staff have started giving as well. Um, and so it's, re- and it's really kind of the kind of this thing where we realize, like, if we're going to ask for donation, we need to like actually show the way first. And so it's a, it's a big mix of both. I would say the majority are some 
from some of our bigger donors that are out of state. Um, but we've, we got local as well. And, and because they're connected to what you've done or they just like the story of what you've done? Uh, more so because they've been connected and really, and just to be honest, like we haven't actually, I mean, up until three or four years ago, we didn't really do much marketing at all. You're not soliciting. Um, they just come. Yeah. And, but we're, we're, got, we're getting to a point where we're going to actually start kind of, kind of developing a donor base and really, and, and nurturing our donors because they're, they're, they're partners, you know? Yeah. Um, but um, to be honest, we haven't had the staff capacity for that yet. Okay. And we're kind of getting to a point where we, where we are going to have to. Is, so. is there organized sit down class instruction of any kind, or am I gathering there is no, all right, uh, take out your number two pencils and we're going to have a test. There's none of that. Or is there some of that? And how big is your staff and teachers? And- oh, great. Great question. Okay. I'm glad you asked that. Cause I do want to clarify. So the first 15 months, um, that's the yeah, classical so it's, it's, education piece. Yes. Okay. And so Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, the students are in school from, from 8 AM to 3 PM. Okay. And then they can work Tuesday, Thursday, or after, or after school's over. And so what happens is in the morning time. So, you know, if, if you're familiar with classical, you know, we use the greatest minds of all time mm-hmm. for each subject and we read a variety of different viewpoints and they're the lecturers and then in the afternoon, you have a faculty member leading Socratic discussion. Okay. And so. Probably and so should have started with this because I, I this is the part I missed. <laughs> there is an educational component to it. It kind of sounded almost like they immediately dove into town to start working. And that's not Maybe entirely sound right. Maybe me in the- Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll edit. No, no, it's fine. it's good. So sorry to interrupt. Please continue. No, no, that's okay. Um, I actually, earlier I was like, I wonder if I should jump into that first. Um, <laughs> but so. So there, so we start with critical thinking. So we do modules, one class at a time in the flow of the biblical narrative. So when I was in college and when y'all are in college, I took philosophy 103, economics 109, mm-hmm. and you know biology 102 together. And I'm like, what do these have to do with each other? Right? Right, right. And then you go from one class to the next and you're not remembering anything, or at least I didn't. Um, but what we've done is we we actually think that if 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 God actually really is the the author of all reality and he's a God of order, then reality should have a coherence to it. And so these subjects should not be disconnected, but they're actually connected. And so what do philosophy and economics have to do with each other? Well, the answer is everything. Hmm. Uh, because your philosophy of life really dictates um, your philosophy of how economics. you view economics. <laughs> and, and But what we've learned is theology, they called it the queen of the sciences for a reason. Because if you have good theology, then you'll have good philosophy. But if you have bad theology, then you'll have bad philosophy, and then everything else follows. And so what we teach them first is learn to learn how to think critically. So we have this method um, that we teach our students where they can, they, they learn how to assess, um, you know, you call them an argument, but assess that author's writings um, and try to discern, okay, what's his, what's his contention here. Mm-hmm. Um, and before I can make any kind of anal- opinion on it, I need to know what's, what are his main points, what, his reasonings and what are his contentions. Um, and then, and then after I get there, then I can make an analysis on whether I agree with it or not. But I shouldn't make an analysis whether I agree before I actually understand what he's saying. Um, and so we teach them that in the first module, and they do this method we call mapping. And it's essentially you have to you have to map out an, um, an author's argument. And so they do that for the authors. They read, um, and they read authors from different viewpoints. And in the afternoon, they come together and they discuss it, led by a facilitator in a Socratic circle. So. What they've learned in critical thinking, they're applying in theology and then applying in philosophy and then applying in mathematics all the way up to anthropology. And so when you get and each day is led by a question of the day. So, you know, this CA class is actually just starting philosophy. They just got out of theology. And so the first week of questions is, is God even real? And then for each day, there's 
there's a question in that. And then the second week is, okay, he is real. Now what's he like? There's a question for Monday, Wednesday, Friday in that. And then the third week is, okay, we said he's good and he's Trinitarian. What's his problem? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so there's a question for each of that. And then the fourth week is what's the solution. And so then when you get into philosophy and they start asking questions like what is knowledge and what is real, those weeks actually all refer back to theology and they build and it goes like that throughout the whole program. That's really Um, interesting. I like the way that all comes together and it seems much more practical. Yeah, it's not scattershot. There's a purpose to it. Like you said, you don't forget what I did in my geology class and then I head over to my English class and the two don't feel like they connect. And then you have a way of bringing that together. I think that's yeah. really impressive. So, Andrew, how would people, if they're listening to this and they think, well, I really like the sound of this, if uh, how, how do people know that uh, Excel College is right for them or not, worth pursuing or not? Is it a phone call? Is it a visit? Or can you quickly assess whether someone's a fit or not? That's a great question. And I tell everyone, you definitely need to come visit because we're a small school. And, you know, I went to a big school, so if, that, if a part wasn't for me, then it's all good. I'll go somewhere else. But, I mean, you need to know if this is a good, a good fit for you. So what I tell everyone is – um, we do it every Monday night. We do a, a Google Meets call. You can go on our website, theexcelcollege.com slash visit, and you can sign up for that. It's an hour-long program presentation where we really dive deep into the, criti- into the critical thinking, liberal arts, and practicum community. Uh, or And then after that, come sign up for a visit. And we, we do visit weekends where they come for Thursday and Friday. So they sit in on one of our community nights. They sit in on class, um, kind of get to know Black Mountain. They actually get to come live in a home for a couple nights. Um, and to really see if it's, if it's a good fit. So I think that is fantastic. It's such a neat, a neat way to look at, look at school, look at life, look at education beyond how to continue what I think a lot of parents are trying to do now by making that move out of what has kind of been like a secular public education mode and then bringing it of, you know, not just full circle, but beyond, beyond that K-12. Unconventional ways of education, um, exist beyond K through 12. I mean, that's, that's right. what we're learning yeah. here. And there's um, such a draw. Yeah. I think there's, and there's such and a need. need, like I know, you know, you were saying that you've growing and obviously you're now having to kind of think um, beyond to next level. So we appreciate you sharing all this information with us. Yeah. Today. This has just been fantastic, Andrew. It's great to get to know you. Uh, we will put all the information about uh, Excel college in our show notes below. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I encourage people to reach out and do some more research on you. Uh, we will certainly stay in touch. I know you've, uh, we, we uh, here at the foundation will start getting into some more uh, homeschooling K through mm-hmm. 12 programs this year. And uh, we're and going it sounds to be like, seeing the Bible. You're gonna be, you're, yeah. You're yeah. going to be there in March. Yeah, it's me sitting in the Bible. Yeah. yeah. Well, we'll, awesome. uh, we'll see you there. Andrew, it's been great to catch up. Thank you, sir. Okay, awesome. Thank you guys so much. Take care. Talking to you. And that's going to do it for this week's edition of Making the Leap. We will see you next time. Thanks a lot for checking out the show. Making the Leap is a podcast presentation courtesy of the Herzog Foundation. Please rate and comment on the show as well as subscribe so you never miss an episode. And we'll see you next time on Making the Leap.